This is the Garden Cinema Film Talk, presented by Michael Chambers and Abla Kandalaft. We chat with filmmakers, actors, producers and film commentators about the art of film. We talk about the films they made, how they made them and the ones they'd like to make. This week, Michael and I chat remotely with director Ben Lawrence from his home in Australia. Ben recently directed the documentary Ithaca, which follows Julian Assange's father and fiancé as they campaign to secure his release from Belmarsh Prison. The film is currently out in the cinemas. It's an absolute pleasure to be showing your film. Um, Ben, Michael and I had a a question really for you in terms of uh, the way in which the project came together. We were wondering whether it was a story you were particularly passionate about and wanted to tell, or had the team approached you and chosen you as a director to tell this story the the way you told it? They approached me out of the blue. It was a story I was deeply interested in and had followed for, you know, the decade that had been going on, certainly since WikiLeaks published Collateral Murder. Gabriel contacted me in the middle of 2020. They'd been filming for six yeah. months uh, and they he basically said, look, this is what we want to do. I want to follow my father. Um, everyone's on board. Uh, the access is really an intimate look at what the campaign looks like from the family side. Do you want to be a part of it? And Within three weeks, I was on a plane to the UK. I just wanted to pick up on what Ben said about uh, you discussed with um, with Gabriel, wasn't it? The um, your vision for the the film. I was wondering what the what the vision was that you and Gabriel talked about. What Gabriel saw was his father taking on this huge undertaking at a very late stage in his life. John was seventy four at that stage. Yeah. And um, he felt it was a new to this story. I mean, Gabriel told me a story about when he first went and saw Julian when he was imprisoned in Belmarsh. Um, but the first time he, Gabriel saw him in Belmarsh, he had never seen him in that physically deteriorated, mentally uh, stressed state. And, and he, he really felt that uh, it may have been the last time he got to see him. He was so worried for him. And I mean, this is a family member kicks everyone into action when someone of their loved ones gets into this situation. Julian was effectively silenced. His health was deteriorating. His mental health was under huge burden. And Gabriel, as a filmmaker, thought, I'm going to make a film. How do I do that and what does that involve? And he saw his father undertake this campaign and he thought, "Okay, I'm going to follow my father. Okay. no, I understand that. So the, the, the vision was that this would be a film about the campaign to to, to get him out of prison. Correct, yeah. I and mean, to see it from the other side, see it from a space that we hadn't seen it from. And, I, and you know, look, Julian fascinates me as a global figure and there's untold stories and films about him, but I just hadn't seen this before. And I, as a universal theme of a father trying to help his son, I really uh, engage with that. John as a character was a gift. He's, he is an amazing person. He's fascinating, endlessly fascinating. And, and abrupt at times, as we see in the film, but that in itself creates a really interesting conflict and also a proxy by which we, I think we can understand Julian and the way he interacts with the world. And so that gave me another opportunity to, in Julian's absence, uh, give a deeper understanding of, of a part of his personality. So that, that really interested me as well. 
And so it's the family drama with Stella as well. Of course, she was very powerful. Hugely powerful. And, and I really wasn't sure whether Stella was going to take part. When I left for London, uh, there was a possibility that Stella may be involved. She had only recently kind of stepped into the public spotlight. Prior to that, her and Julian's children were, you know, were really a mystery or unknown or private. Um, and, and like John, she had to step in and kind of uh, speak for Julian. She was very good on the political significance of this whole process and how important it was. Um, she would always say, for example, she would always say, we want to free Julian and we want to free the press. We want to guarantee press freedom. She would always link his freedom with the freedom of the press. Yeah, It's very important and it often gets lost. It often gets lost. I mean, you know, the the... the the kind of the campaign against Julian has been to de-link him from journalism, to de-link him from this idea that he's connected to the press. And, you know, you can see it in subtle and, and kind of more blunt ways. The, uh, the very, American government's very policy mm. has very clearly been, ever since they um, became extremely annoyed with uh, Assange after um, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the woman who worked for them, what was her name, who she released the emails? With Chelsea Manning. Chelsea Manning. Oh, right. When when Chelsea Manning, uh, through WikiLeaks, exposed what the Americans were doing, that's when the American state became furious and adopted the strategy, which you saw in the film of the Fifth Estate, which was to divert attention from WikiLeaks onto Julian Assange. Mm -hmm. They said he was working for the Russians. They said he was sexually uh, abusive to women in Sweden and so on. All this stuff that was cooked up to destroy um, destroy Assange's image and take the focus away from um, themselves, of course. And to make sympathy for him more difficult. Well, to destroy his image, yes, to destroy his image. And... In a way, you see, you could say that a film that then focuses on Assange is fits in with the American uh, policy itself. Oh, look, very much. It is a it is a response to that, and it, you know the irony is that you know we're trying, you know, we're all focusing on on Julian as a person, but when you look at the work that they've done, what they've exposed, and the the partnerships that they they yeah. created with the New York Times and the Guardian. Um, it, it very rarely becomes, uh, you know, fodder for the media. But we do talk a lot about Julian, and I think it has been because of this concerted campaign by the U.S. government to focus on him as an individual. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it has nothing to do with the court case that he's that he's um, facing right now, and his extradition and his 175-year sentence that he possibly faces. But interestingly, yeah, the film does focus on him as a person, and it tries to rebalance. Uh, what that what that concerted campaign against his personal image has has been you know grinded uh, into the public's uh, consciousness over a decade or more. So yeah, to see the family, to judge him through the people that love him, was really a response to that very very clearly. I mean, the irony with the Chelsea Manning thing is that uh, you know she uh, served her her sentence has been commuted by Obama. She served four or five years, I think. Um, and she now walks free, um, but they're still pers- prosecuting or still pursuing Julian yeah. uh, for the same leaks that uh, that she provided him. Um, and the other thing that should that should be pointed out as well is that all of these uh, 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 leaks that Julian published, they were in partnership with the New York Times, the Guardian, Le Monde, and, and others. 
um, and none of them are being uh, prosecuted as well. So it really is a focus on WikiLeaks. It really is a focus on Julian. No. And I think any whistleblower or any pub uh, publisher out there, particularly of national security um, stories, is ha has really been uh, spooked by what's happened to Julian. They really, you know, we've we've it's really gone dark on how we understand wars in the world and governments yeah. um, as this prosecution continues. The, the fear and the caution around publishing anything like what Julian or WikiLeaks did uh, has really taken a step backwards. And that, that's probably a huge cost that the society has paid as well. No, I agree. Absolutely. I agree totally with what you say. And um, you see, it could be said that um, in, a, in a curious way, the film actually plays into the hands of the CIA and the American state because what they're doing, as you say, is they're trying to intimidate by persecuting, actually torturing this poor fellow in prison. They are intimidating anyone else who is thinking of becoming a whistleblower. Mm. And, um, now, the film, in focusing on the terrible treatment that Assange is getting, on the torture he's suffering, the film itself is, is, is actually doing exactly what the CIA want which is to intimidate all other potential whistleblowers and, and to say, well, my God, if that's how they're treating Assange, what would they do to me? Yeah. In a way, you could argue that uh, this film actually carries out the very strategy that the American state has, has, has launched here to prevent uh, whistleblowing. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, it, it, the whole thing is a cautionary tale. I mean, WikiLeaks... If you look at them as a historical uh, uh, entity, you know, it, you really have to go back to the Pentagon Papers and someone like Daniel Ellsberg, uh, mm. when we saw, you know, the, the powers, the governments, the, the corruption, the war crimes being exposed in such kind of a brutal, a cold way. And so it's every generation seems to have someone who steps forward and has the conviction or, or, or the, the technology or the bravery or a combination of all of those things or the relationship with the whistleblowers in order to publish something like this. Um, and I think WikiLeaks always saw themselves as a, a bit of an icebreaker. And, and in, in their trail behind them, others would, would take up uh, positions in order to publish these. There was a very powerful um, a scene in your film, I thought very powerful, that um, showed President Biden uh, speaking at some length of the the way the United States values um, freedom of speech, values the, the, the truth and hates lies. He, he makes this very clear. And you show him speaking and he says all this, we hate lies, we love the truth. Then you cut to a statement on the screen that says, President Biden has now authorized the continued pursuit of Lassange and getting him extradited. And I thought the contradiction between what he said and what he then did was a very powerful moment in the film. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Bidens, that was his inauguration. And uh, the, when he was elected, you know, there was a huge hope within the Assange support that uh, it may end this Trump era prosecution, you know, because it really was driven by the Trump uh, the Trump era uh, CIA and Mike Pompeo that, that Julian eventually became, uh, you know, pursued in the way he has been. Obama uh, felt that it couldn't be something that, that they could pursue um, and he really held off uh, prosecuting Julian. But when Biden turned up, a lot of people felt, yeah, things were going to change. But 
it really, I mean, it, it just goes to show that those institutions of uh, what we felt tra were traditional power really are being eroded in, in all parts of society. Mm. Um, and so Biden really may not have the power to end this prosecution. You know, it may sit within the security state who are an ongoing uh, independent of government. Um, and, and the rise of that machine, the rise of that uh, security state within the US system uh, seems to go unabated. So yeah. depending on who's in the presidency, it may not really matter. I mean, if, if, if Julian's being pursued by the CIA and the security state, um, it may go on regardless of who's in, the, who's in the White House. So that was a really eye-opening moment. From a filmmaker's point of view, what has been the reaction you got from legacy media, from journalists? Have you felt that they were to be supportive of the film? Um, has there not been any sort of communication with them? Um, and have you felt there was a, there's been a difference in reception on the part of, I guess, you know, so-called mainstream press versus independent outlets? Yeah, look, I think Julian holds a special place in independent press. Uh, I would say that for sure. And that's been through my own kind of anecdotal, you know, response from, from them. Um, I would say that from the legacy media or the mainstream media, I've seen it change a lot. I mean, in the two years that I've been involved in this project, um, I've noticed a huge shift, you know, in, in major outlets uh, in the way they report. The nuance that they've introduced has been much better. The way they've reported uh, Julian's case and it, traditionally it was oversimplified. It was very focused on him as an individual. Um, I think there's been a turnaround and I think in, in part they see that there's a threat to them because, you know, if he's prosecuted, there's a precedent that they could be prosecuted um, and they don't want to be prosecuted under the Espionage Act. I mean, you know, the governments have tried, but if they really went after them, I mean, this, this, would, this would really affect them and this would really affect society. So there's part, but I also think that there, there is a huge swell of sympathy for Julian. I think the, 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 one of the big things for me was that Julian's diagnosis as uh, autistic uh, Asperger's um, really gave me an insight into who he was. I think there's a lot of sympathy around that. I think the fact that he's a vulnerable individual uh, considering his condition and then also considering how much stress and pressure and surveillance, et cetera, that he's been under. On the other hand, on the other hand, I did notice that, um, you know, Jeff Bezos bought the uh, Washington Post uh, yes. a few years ago. And an innovation he introduced, I think about three years ago, was to put on the masthead their slogan, uh, which is an impressive slogan. It's uh, democracy dies in darkness. Democracy mm. dies in darkness. It needs light. It needs uh, free press. So he put this slogan on the masthead. And I noticed that uh, only recently the editorial board of the Washington Post, and I'm sure he sits on the board, um, published an editorial um, attacking Assange and saying that he's an eccentric fellow. Um, it needs that it, uh, they joined in that the general assault on you know Assange personally. And I thought this is so you can't be too hopeful about some of the um, mainstream press. Again, I, I mean, I think people are starting to see through it. I hope they're starting to see through that, you know, these power structures, uh, you know, they they have skin in the game. They, in, in some ways that uh, where their ideological, uh, you know, faith lies, you know, may not be within the seeing Julian free. Um, but 
uh, ultimately. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I don't know. I mean, it is such a shifting story. Every week there's something happening. I mean, even recently with Pretty Patel's decision to, you know, go ahead with the uh, the extradition and now what's going on with, you know, Boris Johnson in, in the UK. The, you know, depending on who's now going to sit as Prime Minister of the UK, could benefit Julian or it could make it more difficult for him. Um, and so it, it, from week to week, from month to month, this story is, just continues on. I'd like to talk a bit about you as a filmmaker. I guess major, you've got a, docu- a background in documentary filmmaking, but your first major film was a fiction and then you made a documentary. Do you uh, yeah. switch between the genres? Do you find that the lines are fairly blurred between them? Yeah, look, I always get to the end of a documentary and think that's the last one. It's just so exhausting and it is so taxing. Um, and I think that I can... Dr- Drama, I find simpler in a way because you have a team around you and you have far more um, cooperative <laughs> team members working to other people's schedules. If it's a documentary subject or, you know, uh, on a smaller team, a smaller budget can be really challenging. But also documentary, I find subject matters are, are very emotionally taxing as well, but rewarding. Um, so I do like the idea of blurring the lines and whether I'm doing a documentary or a, or a, a drama or fiction film, I do like to bring other techniques in and, and try and encourage that. Uh, my drama film, I work with a non-actor who, who starred in the film. And I think I wouldn't have had the confidence without having done documentary of knowing how to work with people uh, in that way that I, uh, that I would have had the confidence to do it. So I think that both sides fascinate me and they both feed off each other um so you know yeah i i would say that um my next project's probably going to be a drama fiction um particularly after spending two years on ithaca uh you know it's quite an intense experience but i continue to remain the campaign to get this film out there and uh it's been life-changing really and an education about you know how the world works so hopefully some of that is in the film as well that you know people kind of go away and and see their lives and the world a little bit differently. Thank you very much. Michael, did you have any further questions? No, no, I thought that was very interesting. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for um, joining us. Oh, thank you. A pleasure. Thank you, Michael and Alba. Thank you. And uh, best of luck with the rest and with the with future projects. And uh, Yeah, thank you. Circuit for Ithaca as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm looking for, when I'm in London next time, I'm going to check out your cinema. I've looked at the photographs. It looks like a wonderful place and I wish you all the best with it. It's uh, fantastic to see an investment like that and, uh, you know, all the best to you all. Thank you so much. This was the Garden Cinema Film Talk. You can find out more about the cinema screenings and seasons on our website, thegardencinema.co.uk and follow us, send us comments and feedback on our social media at The Garden Cinema. Thank you for listening.